Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. Now, these 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married 26 years and have four almost grown children together. We've both been in Christian leadership for almost 30 years now. I've been a pastor, you've been a pastor, and we've both been student pastors. And I lead right now a nonprofit organization that does outreach to people experiencing homelessness. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to find more intimacy and authenticity in your own relationships. Let's dive in. Welcome back to 36 Questions, and we are on, get this, Tracy, episode 18. Ooh, 18. That's a lot, right? Man, to me, it's taken forever. We've been doing this for over a year. (laughs) We like to take a time, like a fine wine. (laughs) But that's okay. It's been good. So I'm looking forward to doing an episode. I'm not looking forward to this question because the reality is we did sit down and mention this question before Mm -hmm. and uh, I couldn't handle it. And I left. <laughs> we didn't record that day. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. And we had to take a break and had to kind of mull over the situation. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that's part of this question thing we're doing is the questions get deeper and more intense. Right. And uh, that's part of the point. Right. Yep. Even the hard things. And this is a hard question. And I had to really... Um, do some deep inner healing <laughs> to be ready to sit and talk about it. All right. So we should, we should actually say what the question is. Okay. Uh, it's number 18 out of 36. It's what is your most terrible memory? Who uh-huh. wants to even think about that? Like mostly if my most terrible memories, I block out on purpose or subconsciously that happens. But if I could, I would block it out. Right. The worst is the worst. Yeah. You do want to block it out. Many people do. Um, I've known people who've had horrific things happen to them as children, and they didn't even really remember it till they're in their 40s because they just totally blocked it out. So it is common to do that. And I think even though you're supposed to deal with your issues, sometimes it's healthy to just, you know, say goodbye to it and not think about it, not mull over it, not let it destroy your life, right? Just to move on. Um, so yeah, that's that's a way to go about it. Um, yeah, I, I had, I had a lot actually. Cause I think the older you get, you had a lot of terrible memories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well you've been around a while. I think we both have because that's the reality. It's kind of like when you get married and you're getting at the wedding and you're all happy and you love each other and everything's great. And this person's perfect. And Oh, you're just so in love. And the minister talks about, Oh, you're going to encounter hard times and it's going to get rough. And you're like, Oh yeah. How bad could it be? Really? You know, you mm. just don't really believe Good it. Thing you don't know when you start, because oh. then you may not even, you wouldn't maybe even get started. Oh, I don't know. 
I do know, though, that there is a lot of suffering in life for a lot of people on all different levels, uh, personally, in your family, people you know. And the older you get, the more suffering you encounter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Your, what's the question? Your most what? What's your most terrible memory? Toast, most terrible memory. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. <sighs> okay. Well, out of all the many, many, many terrible memories I have, thousands, there's one that came to mind when you asked this question the first time. And it doesn't seem that terrible, but it was for me because it kind of represented my entire life being shut down mm. for me. So we were in our house in Elizabeth, which is the ghetto. And we were up in the little office room on the second floor of our six bedroom Victorian uh, house, inner city house, three story. And the back of the house in that little lime green room. And you told me, I don't want to be in ministry with you anymore. I don't want to do it ever at all, like ever again. <laughs> and, and it was just like, kind of like there was a tunnel, you know, and your words kind of went slow. <laughs> and I, everything just kind of got dark in the room and I felt dizzy and like someone sucked all the air out of the room because one of the things that has stamped our relationship since day one, almost yeah, day one, our first date, we were at a prayer meeting at mm. 5 a.m., you know, seeking God to follow him and do everything he says and do things, you know. And so we were both like totally into following God, being in ministry, loving on people, helping people as a team. And uh, it, me independently, you independently, and then as a team. And so for you to say, I don't want to do that, it was kind of like even though I married you because I loved you and we had a great relationship and we dated for years and we were ready to get married like any normal couple, I also chose you because we were going to be in ministry together as a team. And so when you didn't want to do that anymore, uh, I just felt like my life was over. Mm. And it was the worst moment of my life because it's like you didn't want me Mm. And you didn't want to be a partner with me anymore. And so this has been an ongoing issue in our marriage that's come up periodically over the past, because this was a long time ago. This is when Connor was a baby and he just went off to college. So I'm guessing it's like 17 years ago. Could be. 16 years ago. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And so all these years, it's just, it'll rear its ugly head with hurt or bitterness, or anger, or confusion, or misunderstanding, or me trying to push my way in, and you trying to push me out, and uh, it's really, it's really been sucky. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a, that was a dark time. We were, you know, we were living in an intense environment where there was a lot of crime, um, danger, uh, we lived a couple blocks from where I worked, where we were running a church for the homeless. We had and five break-ins in yeah, our house. Yeah, we had break-ins. I had written uh, several books. We'd started three churches. Um, 
within two years. Yeah, it was stupid. Uh, well, it was just we were doing too much too fast. We were leading East Coast School of Urban Ministry. We were, we were church planting. <laughs> I was homeschooling because yeah. the schools were bad. And then I was getting sick. Homeschooling. Oh, you we were, and you renovated were the house. We were flipping the house. It was just so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. It and was too much. It was too much. And um, <clears throat> we had no boundaries. And that's why I said that. We worked day what, and night. What I, I really didn't mean to say what I said. What I meant to say was, uh, I feel crazy and I can't take it anymore <laughs> uh, because yeah. our life is out of control. I was traveling and speaking. Like on top of all that stuff we just said, I was traveling. I was out of town. Yeah. And, and then I'd come back and preach at our church and then I'd other churches and I'd be writing these books and books, run the school with you, all, all these things we did. And then when we were home, we just talked about ministry all the time, literally in bed while we were falling asleep in the yeah. morning. We used to call it Christian crack. Yeah, it was exciting because <laughs> it, it was working. Everything and was, it was going growing, great. exploding. Everything was, was going so well. Yeah, in some ways, it was like the greatest time ever. I have so many beautiful memories, but then I hit the wall. You know, the stress got to me. And um, I think it got to you too. Your health took a dive. And um, we were in a bad place. And then we changed everything at that point. Yeah, and so it did have, I mean, you were right. Let me just say. Let me say that slowly so you can just savor it. You were right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, it was too much. And so we ended up moving to the suburb of Cranford. I ended up staying home with the kids and dropping out of pastoring and being the dean of students and teaching as a professor at the school and all the things we were doing. Stopped all of it. And it was good because I really needed to just, I had four kids, like eight years old and younger. <laughs> I needed, I needed to be home with them. And, you know, it's such a, a, a brief point in time where I could spend time with them and love on them and not just for them, but for me, it was good. And I'm so glad we moved out of the inner city. We're still close by, but you know, yeah. out of the danger zone where we were safe, we didn't have to lock our doors. Yeah. Major adjustment. <sighs> yeah, it was good. So it was good. It, it, it took me, I had a year of counseling because I had a hard time dealing with it. Like we were so not family oriented that I remember when two friends of the family purchased the summer pool membership for us as a gift. And I was like, what are you doing this for? They said, you're, so you can go to the pool with the kids this summer. And I was like, you mean more than once? And they're like, yeah, you go all the time, like every few days or every day. I'm like, what do you do there? They're like, you just sit by the pool and the kids play. I'm like, you just sit at the pool? Yeah. Like I just <laughs> I couldn't even fathom yeah. anybody yeah. who wouldn't be working really hard all day long on something to change the world. Yeah, like, yeah. we were about? driven, driven, very driven, just going 100 miles an hour. And it was, um, yeah. We, we changed everything. We went to start going to the pool all the time and hanging out with the kids. It was really good. <laughs> it was yeah. good. Anyway, yeah, that was the hardest thing. And it kind of recently came up again. I think that's why I couldn't deal with it is here we just became empty nesters two oh, weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. And Home alone <laughs> with the dog. <laughs> Yeah, the new dog. And and I'm so happy for our boys. Our son Connor is in college at California Baptist University in Riverside, California. I think he's having the time of his life. Oh yeah. 
and uh, not in a bad way. It's not like he's drinking and drugging. <laughs> he's he is such a sweet kid, just yeah. such a good good guy, and he's having a lot of fun. He's got great friends, um, so that's wonderful. And then Corbin, our other son, came back from Paris from Youth with a Mission, and he's now at Liberty University studying financial planning, and he loves it in Virginia. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure. It's an intensive program, but he's doing great. And uh, so I'm so happy for our boys. I really am. Yeah. So I'm, even though I'm sad they're gone, I'm happy. But it, it's been really rough on me being having these past 16, 17 years totally dedicated to kids and family, and then they're gone. 25 years. Well, yeah. But since the day that, since my worst day ever. Yeah. My life has just been family, right? Besides... Yeah. You know, a few years when I senior pastored for a little bit, for a blip. I don't know, four years. But anyway, point being, it's been hard. And yeah, we're right in the thick of a whole new season of life that we don't know how to navigate, really. I mean. Yeah, because I think, I think I thought I was going to join you in ministry again because the kids are gone. Oh, kids are gone. Now, now I'll join with you in ministry again. But then I realized this past year that. I'm not really welcome to do that, and I'm not doing that. And I don't really want to do what you're doing anyway. So no, I wouldn't say that you're not welcome. Yeah. Because well, I've welcomed you. All right. Whatever. But um, so now I'm just lost. I just feel totally lost and kind of depressed because I'm not doing the family thing anymore, not doing the ministry thing anymore. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? But then I guess all women face this. And we read something in a book, and this is our book review today, that was really helpful. It it said, when men retire, or women, they retire, they have a big party, and they retire. But when stay-at-home moms retire from being a stay-at-home mom, there's no party, there's no end, there's no celebration. It's just, they're gone, and you just sit there and... I don't know, it's really hard. No one. We've had some great games of Scrabble. (laughs) The two of us. We have. <laughs> We've been doing Scrabble almost every night. <laughs> it's really competitive. I mean, the scores are like off the charts. I didn't realize how smart we were. I mean, they are really off the chart scores. We are really getting good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. It's not It's not a happy place. It's um. It's a sad place of... Just feeling lost. And uh, that's just my reality right now. And that's why these questions are kind of hard because it's hard to admit that, to say, you know what, I'm not okay. I'm feeling depressed. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what my purpose is. And it's a bummer. Well, that was a downer. <laughs> But hey, that's reality. What we're dealing with is what we're dealing with. We're in the middle of it. We're not coming out the other end. We're not a year into it. We're a couple weeks into empty nest syndrome, which leads to my book review. Uh, It's really our book review. We read this together, um, but we just finished it this morning. I'll take the credit for purchasing it. You, you know, that was really good. Very thoughtful. I'm not all bad. You're not. You're great. Mostly. Uh, yeah, so knowing that we were about to enter Empty Nest, I thought, you know, I'm going to buy a book, a Christian book, 
that helps prepare us, helps us think about, you know, the big picture. And anyway, so I researched a bunch. There's a lot of books on this topic, by the way. Um, but so I, I looked at a lot of reviews and I found this one and it's titled Empty Nest, Full Life, Discovering God's Best for Your Next by Jill Savage. We've read the entire thing together. We just finished it this morning, the last chapter. Mm-hmm. And what did you think? It's it's really great. It looks at it from a Christian perspective. She deals with a lot of the issues. I think we started too early. I think we started reading it before the kids left. And as they were gone, I was just kind of traumatized that first week. And I just wasn't able to really, it made me kind of angry and upset as I read it because I was angry and upset anyway just in general. So now what I did, and let me give this advice here. What I did is after two weeks, I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop it now. <laughs> like, okay, I'm depressed. Mm. I'm bummed. I'm lost. I'm confused. And then, so I think it was yesterday. I was like, okay, I had a full two weeks. of so really just not doing well. So I'm just going to be okay now. And so of course I just said, I'm not okay, but I am coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm coming out of it because not for any reason, except I just decided to, Right. And uh, so as we read it yesterday, as we read it today, I just felt like it was helping me even so much more Mm. because I was sort of on the I was able to process it better. And yeah, it's Mm. been great. What do you think about it? Because it's usually like many of our books. It's a book written by a woman for women and you're a guy reading it. How's it been for you? I thought it was really good um, because, I mean, this is new territory for us. It's just weird. Feels surreal. That's what I think about all the time. Like, this is weird. This is surreal. Like our life now, having these kids all 25 years and now they're gone. What, what is this? You know, um, and reading this book, I guess helped, you know, the very end was kind of drove the nail in. It's like, what do we need to do? We need to draw near to God. You know, what is like kind of brought me back. What is life really about? Right. You know, it's not about raising kids. It's not about ministry. It's not, it's about God, you Mm -hmm. know, and you can replace these Christian things for God, but you know, as if they're God, but they're not, we need God. We need God's presence. We need to get closer to him. And she did focus at least part of the book on how can we now use all these skills and experience we've had raising kids and use it to love other people who are needy or broken or need a friend or a mentor or a coach or a pastor, whatever. And I was like, so that really got me thinking because the more self-focused we are, the more miserable we are True. and the more others focused. You know, it's like the the well just overflows, you know, if we love them, it's like the love of Jesus just fills us up while right. we're loving them. So that's what I've been thinking about lately, um, you know, where to focus energy. So I think it always comes back to that. Honestly, like today we we read the Bible in the morning and you, and we decide to start. I think we were doing like one worship song periodically before we decided to do we do two or three. Two. Two long ones yeah. <laughs> where we were just praying and worshiping and singing songs to God together in the kitchen, in the dining room, just walking around praying and worshiping. And, you know, it just sets everything right. <laughs> you know, it's like there's bad weather. Mm-hmm. And when the clouds roll out, the sun starts to shine and you feel the sun on your face. That's what it's like. It's like, oh, <gasps> you know, it's like when it's humid and sticky, but then the humidity blows out and then it's fresh air and it feels like a good, nice, yeah. sunny, breezy perfect temperature day. That's what it's like when you draw close to God. Yeah. And so, you know, in every instance, in every circumstance, whatever it is, you just Mm -hmm. draw close to him. And I think 
for now, I'm in the waiting because we have this sabbatical coming up in 2021. So I can't go get a job right now because we're going to be out of the country or mm-hmm. uh, I don't know where we're going to go for three months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for now, I'm in the waiting. So it's not till next summer where I would start doing something. So I have time to, you know, work through this and get out to the other side for sure. Yeah. But that that book is a definite two thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Take, please take a look at it if you know somebody or if you're going or about to go through uh, Empty Nest time. Uh, it's Empty Nest, Full Life by Jill Savage. And uh, yeah, very practical. And she shares a lot of real stuff. She, oh, she dealt with, she does. I mean, the hardest things oh. you could ever deal with in your marriage and your kids. She dealt with them. Yeah. And, um, Her husband she had an affair. It was very, she's very Kid. vulnerable and they found oh, restoration Lord. and they've learned how to work through very difficult yeah. times. And that, that's I mean, great. Cause it's so good to hear someone writing who's been through the, the, the muck. Yeah. Cause then they're like, Oh, so you know, you yeah, can relate yeah. to them and they show you the way out. It's like, I've been through this dark jungle and mm-hmm. this is the path, you know? Yeah. So good, good book. So yeah. So that was our book of the week. All right. So now I get to answer this great question. Question 18. What's the question again? What's your most terrible memory? Your most terrible memory. Ugh. Bleh. Yuck. Yeah. This stinks. Okay. (laughs) It's got to be done, you know? Well, you know, we all have these times that are dark seasons of the soul or something. They're like valley of the shadow of death. We have these dry, whatever. Everybody has pain in their life. And so um, this was, this is ours. So my, my worst memory falls not too long after your worst memory. I'd say within the next, I guess, year, you can tell me, but, um, your health had gotten really bad when we were living in Elizabeth and we didn't know what it was or what was going on, but you're coughing, had time, hard time breathing and you were homeschooling and we were working all the time and all this. And then we moved to kind of rescue ourselves, you know, everything, our marriage, our kids, our life, our sanity. We moved just a little ways away into this nice little neighborhood. And so we start, the kids could walk to their elementary school. It was great. And then um, you became even more ill, like you just really bottomed out and were in the hospital for a couple weeks and had pneumonia and a stroke. And it's like, it's, or whatever, it's some, something happened. And then it was just like a stroke because I tried to get out of my car and I collapsed on the ground because the left side of my body wouldn't work. Right. So. Your, your whole body just went bottomed out. And then later on, they would diagnose that as fibromyalgia. And then later on in life, multiple other episodes happen. But I remember this particular moment in time as the worst of the worst, because nothing like this had ever happened to this degree. Right. I was 33 years old. I wasn't that old. Yeah, you were young. And here you were. We had four small children. Fifth grade and down. Small children. Fifth grade to preschool. And mom was out of the picture. I mean, basically, you're in the hospital. And then when you got home... You were completely debilitated. Well, I was at your parents' house because I needed full-time care. Right. So they nursed you, um, and you stayed there for, I don't remember how long, maybe a month. Um, And you were just bedridden, couldn't move and do anything. And so then I was taking, I had to take leave from work and stay home 
it was about three months I did it. And I stayed home, which I'd never done before, Taking not worked. Care of all four of the kids. And I had to dress the kids every morning and feed the kids and do the laundry and get them to school and fill out the paperwork and all this stuff. And I, I was, was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. I was already overwhelmed because you were out taken out. And I'm like, I'm, you know, just terrified you're gonna mm. die or i didn't know what was gonna happen i also had i guess they're called tias like mini strokes yeah mini i'd have strokes. like 50 a day yeah yeah, yeah it, it was horrible and and it was i felt so out of control i couldn't do anything to help you mm. um the doctors didn't know what to do you know it was all this weird and we've been through a long journey of this which we've talked like about in other episodes i'm sure but i i was overwhelmed and devastated by all of this and then I bottomed out, you know, emotionally, not physically. I didn't get sick, but I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I just shut down. It's just, I just completely shut down. And then I was of no help to you. I was of no <laughs> comfort. I was of no, like, helping to nurse you back to health. or no, be, yeah. you weren't I, 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 I was just, like, checked out. I, I, I didn't want to be that way. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt crazy. I didn't know what to do, and I just fell apart, fell completely apart. And then I felt horrible about falling apart because here you needed me at the worst time of your life, and I was a wreck. I was a mess, and I had no answers. So that led to a long period, years of counseling, and myself personally, marriage counseling, you know, working through all kinds of stuff. Um but it was, it was a, a really hard time. And it was about an eight-year stretch of your recovery. Eight-year stretch. Yeah, eight-year recovery. And it sounds you crazy to say it, I, but it's you true. You were completely debilitated all eight years. But no. you, the first couple of years you were, and then slowly gained strength over a long period of time. Yeah. And, you know, just terrible. It was terrible. Nothing could prepare you for this kind of thing. And so... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I tried to think about it because <laughs> I'd rather pretend it never happened because it's just, it, there's so much pain involved in many ways. I feel bad for the kids because their mom was in bed all the time or laying on the sofa if I could get down the stairs crawling. And so if I wanted to spend time with the kids, I'd have to just sit in bed and play cards or I couldn't walk. It was the worst. We Thankfully, my dad hired a nanny. Abby Carmona came to the house and she'd make dinner for the kids and pick them up from school and because I couldn't do anything. Yeah, I was working part time so I could be home part time. Were you? Yeah, I after I went back to work, I only worked part time so that I could help at home and keep everything going. And then we got some help and that 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 helped. And you could go back full time. Um, and then I could go back to work. But yeah, it was just a a bad time. Yeah, that stinks. This is the most depressing podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's I don't so know, hard. You know, um, the Bible, remember that verse? I was telling this to our son, I think, recently. It was like um, perse- about perseverance. Oh, yeah. You know, perseverance. Um, breeds character and character yeah. breeds. Yeah. It's, Something like that. <laughs> Well, I think I said before in an earlier podcast that you can make it these difficult things that, by the way, everyone on earth goes through difficult things and it can make you bitter or it can make you better. And I think 
for so many years I was bitter about mine, about you not wanting to be in ministry with me. I was just bitter about it. And uh, it wasn't even until just recently where I, I really, and I thought I got over it. I thought I forgave you, but there was still an underlying bitterness there that just wouldn't go away, a root, a bitter root. And uh, I feel like I recently pulled that up, but I think with my illness, you, uh, you were really stinky and bitter the first time, but I feel like the second time I got sick again, pretty bad, six years later or whatever, I don't know, it was part of that eight years, and I went back in the hospital, and you were there for me that time, like you were nice, you laid next to me in bed, you tickled my arm, you were kind to me, you brought me water, you were helpful, it's like you learned, and through counseling and all, you dealt with the issues that you had, and and it made you better, and so I feel like, you know, really as a husband, you've become really, really, really good. You're very caring, very attentive, very helpful, very kind, because I still obviously have a lot of issues um, medically or physically, and you're, you're really, really good to me, and it's just the opposite of what, so it, instead of making you bitter, being angry at me for being sick, or I know some, heard of some other man who went off, you know, had an affair with some other woman because his, his wife was sick, so I'm going to get another woman, you know, or whatever it was. A lot mm. of men do a lot of stupid things, or women, because uh, their spouse is, you know, in sickness and in health. <laughs> you know, their spouse is not doing well, whatever it is, mentally, maybe they're depressed, maybe they're physically not doing well, maybe, I don't know what, you know, who knows, maybe they're in prison, but there's so many situations where you're out of control of your spouse. There's nothing you can do. And yeah. so you can be bitter against them in the where they're at, whatever that looks like for you. Or you can have it make you better, a better wife, a better husband, even more amazing. And maybe they'll get delivered out of that. And gosh darn it, maybe they won't. But regardless... You can live godly, holy, loving, kind, all the fruits of spirit, love, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control, or you can do the opposite and really be miserable. Well, the truth is, we, like I said before, we all go through pain and pain is our opportunity to grow. That verse I was trying to think of was Romans 5, uh, 3 through 5. It says, we also glory in our sufferings. That's weird. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us it's like that's when our faith is really tested that's when we're like okay I'm going to trust God and I'm going to know he loves me and I'm going to tap into his grace um, and I'm going to grow and I'm going to mature or the other thing I'm going to go use coping mechanisms addiction uh, other people, distractions, pornography, you name it. You know, there's just like everything in the world, the internet, you know, TV, it, you know, anything shopping. can be used as an idol shopping, right. you know, anything can be like, okay, well, I'll try to, you know, cling to this thing to try to get me through. And it, it doesn't work. It's when we cling to Jesus, he builds this character in us that we long, you know, we want to be mature. We want to grow up. We want to have a strong character. Right. But it's only if we trust him through these, the valley of the shadow of death and know you're not, you, you're still with me, Lord, you know, right. you're walking with me through this. And he was walking through with me and he used those hard experiences to reveal things that were in me. I didn't know were there, you know? And so 
he revealed blind spots I didn't know I had. I was blind to them. He exposed them to me so that I could see, oh, when I grew up as a kid, we weren't allowed to be sick. Being sick wasn't an option. So when my wife got so sick she couldn't even get out of bed, I had no tools in my tool belt to deal with that. I just didn't. I just was like this. I just shut down. And I, then I, you know, it's just out of control. Um, but the Lord revealed that cause he wanted to heal that area. He wanted to empower that area. He wanted to grow that area. Um, so that I could be compassionate so I could be caring, you know, so that I could, uh, be like Jesus. I mean, you know, to, to, that's the whole point. Yeah. <sighs> well, I guess bad suffering and bad things can be good things. What's that verse? Work all things out for good. Like he, he turns all things for good, you know, and, uh, thank God we have God because I don't know how people do it without God because sometimes that's all you have. There's one more verse that's much like the one I just read. It's, it's kind of weird. It's James one, two. Uh, through four, it says, consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. Just like before I said, glory in your sufferings. <laughs> it's like, don't be taken out by these things. Yeah. Okay, it's going to happen because you know the testing your faith of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, you know, anything, <laughs> anything, anything. He really wants to complete us and make us whole. Um, and he wants to get at our brokenness. I don't think he creates that pain that happens to us. Uh, but this world is a broken place and there's pain in it and it's going to happen. We grow up in it. Uh, we live in it. And so Jesus did too. And I think that was one of the things that book, Empty Nest, Full Life, pointed out too is all these sufferings that we go through, Jesus went through all of them. He suffered all of them, but he didn't sin. And so... He's our role model, someone who we can relate to and know, okay, he understands how I'm feeling right now, mm. that I feel ashamed, I feel lousy, I feel like a jerk. I feel all the, you know, just so many bad things about myself going through pain. Um, I don't feel like trusting God. He understands it, you know. I think a way to determine what area of one's life needs to be addressed is it says in that verse about, you know, count it all joy. And I think of laughing. Like, I remember when I would have pain, I felt like someone was shooting me with a gun. I just in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'd get pain so loud, I used to scream out in pain at first because I was so freaked out about it. I was like, ah, you know, because it hurt so bad. But I couldn't do that because I had little kids that would freak them out. So instead, when I got a pain, I would go, ah, <laughs> oh, woo, like, <laughs> that's, that's a big one. And, and, and I would laugh in the pain, um, and that would help me get through it. And... If there's something in your life that's painful or difficult and you can't laugh about it because you're so hurt or so depressed or so angry mm -hmm. that you can't laugh about it, you can't be light about it, it's only heavy, it's only dark, that's an issue, that's a place where you can begin mm -hmm. this process of letting Jesus in to come in and bring his light and his healing to you. So thanks for listening today and uh, we appreciate you listening and we hope that through our stories that you may relate to your stories in your life that you're going through. We hope that God can bring healing to you in a deep way. And I think I just want to pray for people right now, if I can, mm -hmm. um, 
because this is such a deep, dark thing. So, Father, I thank you, Jesus, that, Lord, you created each and every one of us. And before, uh, you said in Jeremiah 1 that before we were born, you had a plan for our life. And I pray for each person within the sound of my voice that they would know that they know that they know that you have a plan for their life. And whatever's going on around them, whatever sufferings, whatever hardships, whatever obstacles, whatever difficulties, that God, they would take those as gifts and opportunities to become more mature and to follow you. That, Lord, they wouldn't be excuses to be mad at God. They wouldn't be excuses to act bad or act childish. But they would be excuses to press into you, Lord, and, Father, to become self-aware of their blind spots and that Lord you could show them things that they do not know that you could speak to their heart and their mind right now and show them ways that they can change that they can grow that they can turn away from sin turn away from hurt turn away from uh, justifying bad behavior Lord and give it to you and be forgiven and to be set free and really walk in freedom Mm -hmm. in their personal lives In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Look forward to seeing you next time on 36 Questions. (laughs) 